0: why we do this. It's for our children and why we're moving forward in in building at such a time as this. Amen. Well, welcome to you all. Um, We have another baby dedication today. So we want to welcome uh, Sloan, William, Jurgensen, parents, Abe and Callie. Uh, If they come forward and whoever else you'd like to uh, at the baby dedication. So let's welcome them as they come. So a little story, uh, maybe you could hand me this mic up um, as they come forward. Uh, <clears throat> Sloan means warrior, I like that. Yeah, the lights are pretty bright. <clears throat> but uh, I don't know if you guys want to say anything uh, briefly. Yeah. Uh, So you're seeing how difficult it is up here. You have a lot of compassion for me, yes. Um, Yeah, Sloan was uh, 10 weeks early, and um, yeah, it was quite the uh, journey that we went through with him. And then when we got out, we were like RSV season, and we couldn't go to church. And then we finally went one time at the church we were going to before, and um, then COVID hit. (laughs) And then so we were just... uh, doing the church from home thing, and then uh, started coming here, and it was open, and here we are, like, a year later, and just turned in our um, membership papers this morning, so. Thank you, guys. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> um, so we have a charge to the parents, this wonderful couple, primary responsibility, Rayson, uh, Sloan, of course, rests on you both. And as he grows, we pray that you earnestly strive to seek the Lord for his wisdom and guidance in raising both of your children. Uh, And also, I give an admonition to the extended family. If there's any extended family here, um, continue to pray for this family, for wisdom as they raise their kids and support them. And I always like to throw this out because it's true. Your decisions uh, will affect these kids. That's the truth, and so uh, they will impact. And another uh, agent of influence that's very powerful is the local church. So at this time, I ask members of Church for the Harvest to stand this moment uh, to evidence your acceptance of your part of this responsibility. So Church for the Harvest, I charge you to do all that you can to provide and support a place of worship, which you have done and you are doing. I've never said that during a baby dedication, but I can say that now with the new building and what's happening and, and, and our focus on children's ministry and expansion for that, so, so thank you. But continue to provide that uh, where Sloan may hear the full counsel of God's word. More than ever, we need strong voices of local churches, come on, preaching the truth in this season. Not shutting down, not hiding, not, no meeting and preaching and teaching the Word of God. So I urge you to be faithful as you have been. Thank you. Faithful and providing programs and instruction and, and covenant before God to set examples before our life. We know none of us is perfect, but we know that, you know, uh, we can through Christ do all things, which shall inspire Sloan to desire the Christian way of life someday. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, Abe and Callie, in the sight of God and the presence of these witnesses, Do you solemnly undertake to bring up Sloan in the fear and admonition of the Lord? If so, answer, we do. Do you promise to lead him early to accept Jesus Christ as his personal Savior and Lord? And do you promise that to the best of your ability and the help of the Holy Spirit to set before Sloan examples of godly and consistent lives? Uh, Scripture that came to me with the word warrior with Sloan, and I like that. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16 says this. He says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith. And it says this, Act like men, be strong. That's a good word for men. <clears throat> it's in the Bible. Did you know that? How many of you know men should act like men? Come on, and women should act like women. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that out there. And so let all you do be done in love. All you do be done in love. Amen. Well, let's just pray over this wonderful couple and their children, and stretch your hands if you would towards them. Father, we just thank you now, on the authority of your Word, as a minister in Christ's Church. I dedicate you, Sloan, and uh, uh, their children, and this whole family, to the purposes of God and serving the Lord and doing His will. Lord, I pray for continued protection, in healing on this couple, in strength. I think of the scripture in Deuteronomy 28 when it talks about whatever you set your hands to shall prosper. I pray a prospering over this family as they raise Sloan and and, and swayed in in the things of God. And Lord, as a church, that we would be faithful, that we would minister, and we would be uh, instant in season and out to have a a sure word uh, for their kids as they grow in the house of God. I pray health over all their kids and their family. Angels encamp round about them. They fear you. I just thank you for this family. We bless them now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Let's give them a hand. Thank you so much. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Just a couple of uh, uh, announcements here before uh, I begin. Thank you for those that are signed up for to help out with the Marine Corps uh, banquet on uh, November 10th, which is a Wednesday, it's our sixth year. And uh, helping out with that, we'll pass more information in. So the table sponsorship, we've probably, I think, now have half of the 25 tables. And we've only announced this in a week. Uh, Some from outside of the church and even within this church. Thank you for those of you. If you'd like to sponsor a table, it's $150. It enables six Marines to be able to go to the banquet for free. Or if you say, you know what, I'd like to attend the banquet with my spouse, and you get six tickets, and and at the end of the program, uh, we thank personally, publicly, all those that sponsor. So uh, I look at this as a great outreach. I'm part of the Marine Detachment. I've been for, for quite some time now, and they do a lot of good in the community and serving and helping and toys for kids and, and many, many other programs. And they're a great bunch of guys. It's like... Um, the moment I got there, it's just like, oh, here's another group of family of, of, of brothers. And, and so it, it's, it's a great time, and we meet uh, uh, monthly. So thank you for all those in your sponsorship in that. And then we have an announcement to make for chairs. This week, we added nine chairs this week. Okay? So the year to date total was 210, but with the matching, we're at $225,000. Amazing. Uh, just continue prayer points uh, as the building moves forward, and and uh, 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 I want to also thank the guys that have been coming out. And I know we've had to juggle from time frames, and and you've been great. And so c- the guys that came out and helped uh, yesterday, would you please stand? We got R- Crush rock put around. Come on, stand. Crush rock put around the dumpster, and thank you, Steve. All of you guys. Uh, uh, and we've got the trees planted, and it's just been, it's been amazing how that's coming along. And so, huge thank you for all your uh, sacrifices. Uh, you know, I heard a message years ago. It was by Walt Wiley. He was an international, I had a Christian uh, a radio program, and we actually had him in here probably 15 years ago. And I thought, what is this guy going to talk about in our church? And he knew that eventually we were going to be building. And I talked to him about that. But this is probably going back in 2008, 9, or 10, somewhere around there. Uh, and we still had 10 years, little did I know. But he said this. His message was titled, God Keeps Good Records. And he talked about Nehemiah. <clears throat> and Nehemiah, when they built the wall, the Lord took a pen, and he had him write uh, in the Bible who helped Build the house of God. Oh, I didn't know that would be a sensitive issue. And who did not help? (laughs) Just said that with a smile. Some of you just got real tight right then. That's okay. God keeps good records. That's all I'm going to say about that. And I never forgot that message. Like, I want to be one that the Lord writes down. They helped. Praise the Lord. I'm ready for my message. How about you? (laughs) <laughs> Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word going forth. Lord, we just welcome all those online. We just thank you for those that are tuning in. We speak a blessing over their life, wherever they may be at. And Lord, I just thank you right now for this moment. And, and I humble myself and I recognize that in and of myself, I have nothing good to say. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak to each In every person's life here today, give them what they need. Only you can do that, God, because you're a miracle-working God. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. All God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. So we're going to continue in our our series here, uh, and we're talking about the four cups. And I'm actually spending, this is actually a two-part, because I had to cut things short here today, But we'll finish up next week, Lord willing. But I'm really focusing a lot, if you notice, in the last week or so here on the fourth cup. Because that's really what the whole series is about, talking about it. So if you've come in today and it's your first time, you can listen or watch these messages online, kind of get up to speed. But it's about God's promises to you. And we're talking about our text in Exodus chapter 6. Exodus chapter 6 Verses 6 and 7, God says, therefore, to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will. Somebody shout, I will. So I will. When God says something and he's going to do something, he will do it. Come hell or high water, it will happen when God says it. <clears throat> he said, I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Somebody say amen. Amen. And the next verse that we've been focusing on uh, this week, last week, and Lord willing, next week is Exodus 6-7. says, then I will take you for my people, and I will be your God. I will be your God. Somebody shall hope. There is so much hopelessness going on in the world right now. People are crying out for hope. And let me tell you what's happening. God is speaking to people in dreams. Yes, he is. I'm hearing it firsthand. And people that may have not even known the Lord or not even had a Christian background. God is awakening them to truth. He is awakening them. There's something more. He's awakening them that, you know what, we need, I need to get right with God somehow. And I don't understand all this. And so they're trying to decipher what's going on. And God is shaking the bush and fruit is coming out fruit is coming out because, you know, where Satan has had that fruit tied up under legalism and bondage and church religion and all of that, God is releasing people and they're beginning to see the truth of God's word, that God is alive. How many with me say amen? Psalm twelve six says, the words and promises of the Lord are pure words. In other words, there's no falsehood. And it says this, like silver refined in a furnace, Purified seven times. How many know the number seven is perfection? You can trust God's word. You can trust God's word. So, very quickly, as we recap here, uh, these four cups represent God's plan for our life. It wasn't just for the children of Israel back then. I believe it's for us today. It's for every believer who comes out of their own Egypt. How many know there's an Egypt in all of our backgrounds? Thank you for those two honest people in this church. <laughs> but, but through sin and bondage into God's promises. And what these four cups illustrate to us is that God has a process. There is a process for every single life. It's not just for that life or, well, that one's a favorite. Every single one of you, God has a process that he's bringing you and moving you on from one cup to the next. Somebody say amen. So you can't walk around thinking God's ignored me. He doesn't know me. I'm just a little old peon over here. And I'm Mr. Nobody, Mrs. Nobody. And nobody cares about me. And, and that's all for the good people and all that. I'll never, you know, I, I heard this one time about someone. And I love this statement. I love this M. I'll be as vague but as specific as I can. One person was Im- invited to, to, to church and I was so thankful this person was inviting this, 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 this person who didn't know the Lord or was backslid or whatever. And, and I'm not gonna say it exactly how it was said but it just spoke to me. And they said, oh man, I couldn't come to church. If I stepped in the church, I would just like you know implode because of the sin in my life. And I thought, that's the guy I want in church. <laughs> that's the woman I want in church. Because there they is enough fear of God in them to know that I can't come to church because I'm a mess. God loves taking people that are a mess. And I just thought, they just think they'd step in the church and God would strike them down. But that's the mindset out there. That's what the devil does to keep people in bondage. So don't come, you don't measure up. No, God says, welcome. Welcome to the family of God, Amen. That's just something that really spoke to me. It was a blessing. So, this fourth cup, praise, the cup of praise, it's the cup of hope in the Seder meal. Uh, they, they, they had specific Psalms that they would read. And God says, I will take you for my people, I will be your God. And that root word is halal, which means to celebrate, to boast to rave, an exclamation exclamation of victory one has, experience some level of fulfillment in their life. It's redemption. Uh, It talks about guarantees the final destination. But how many know that even though we are redeemed, there's still a journey? There's still a journey that all, and it's important that we go through this journey. And so we have this pulled up, the ultimate purpose of the cups of promise for us to live the unlived life within us. And so one of the questions was that, that are you living the unlived life in, within you? I don't know what that is. You know, that's what LEAD's all about. And We have almost 50 people that are involved, and Angie is just, you know what? I just want to thank you, Angie. You are doing an amazing job in and, and orchestrating this thing together. We need to give a hand to Angie. <laughs> amazing woman. Thank you and training and discipleship. She has a passion to see people come into their gifts. And, and uh, I just, I'm so thankful for that. And I, at those, that meeting, I just sit in awe. I'm just thinking, almost, I had this feeling like, y'all don't need me. Really, you know, I mean, it's come to a. I mean, my wife and I, we did everything when we started this church. We were the children's pastors, come on. We were the ushers, took the offering. We did everything. When you start in the living room, you know, with three people, you do everything. But it's such grown, and my wife has poured in uh, to these women, and they've, they've gleaned, and it has come, come to a place where I just sit back and I go, thank you, God, for what you're doing here in this place. It's amazing. But here's the sad thing. A lot of people, they bury their talents. They may be afraid. Uh, whatever, rejection, allow them to hold back. Sometimes it's laziness. Some people are short-sighted and They don't want to invest in that and step out. And and, and what happens is, sadly, uh, your life, now watch this, becomes a tragedy of eternal regret. Boy, you know, there's some things I think in in my life, decisions that I've made that I have regret about, and we all do. We all do. But there's some things that are really pronounced in, in a thought, you know, I wish I would have acted differently in that moment or wouldn't have said that. Come on, somebody. Amen. And, and, and so I, I have regret about that. But, but I don't have this eternal regret over my life, which a lot of people, they do. They just have it. But here, here's the good news. You're alive. <clears throat> you may be 30, 40, 60, 80. I don't know. You still have a future. You still can change. It still can be different. You can begin again. Amen. Can begin again. And so, so here's the thing the happiest people on the planet, we said this, are those who are making a difference in the lives of other people. That's how God designed us to live, period. Investing in others. The saddest people on the earth are those who only think about me, myself, and I. Start to throw that out there. Those, those are sad people. And uh, you know, here's the thing when we come to church, Our posture should be, now we come to receive from the Lord, I get it. And and we should come with open hearts to hear the word of the Lord. But when I come to church, not just as a minister, just as a regular church goer, my posture should be one, who can I minister to? I don't mean drag them aside, lay hands on them, trying to push them down. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how can we help and minister and love on people? That's how our our attitude should be. And, you know, because really, when you think about it, selfish people look to get. Right? That's not who God called us to be. Selfless people look to give. Amen? And so I understand uh, for some people to step into a church, it's usually they're at their lowest level. (laughs) Like, this is it. I don't know where else to go, so I'm gonna go to church. Well, good, you came to church, came to the right place. Amen? <laughs> you came to the place of answer. Maybe it took you to get that low. That's okay, but we welcome. So there is a receiving, there is a healing, there is a process of growth through these cups, but there comes a point where God wants us to take our eyes off of us and look to others. Those are the happiest people in the world. And that's what we're surrounded with, many happy people here, why? because they've chosen to to do the will of the Lord for their life and ministering to others. How many with me say amen? So God put a deep desire inside every person's heart, a desire that's not only important to God, but it also meets our greatest need when it's fulfilled. Did you hear that? Your greatest need is fulfilled when you do what God wants for your life. So when we usually get that backwards, we just think, well, I have to make myself happy, or I have to do the things that I want. What does God want? in your life, because that's going to be the most fulfilled thing. So quickly as we continue here, so how do we drink of this fourth cup? Once again, this is two parts, I don't know, it's too much to give and don't want to overload you, but as we move forward to the the purpose and the dreams and the callings that God has for each and every one of you, and I'm gonna just touch on some secular insight, but I believe there's a spiritual uh, uh, layer of truth to it just to help us all but I have a definition here on transcendent. I just like that word, transcendent. And and I'm just gonna read this definition. It says, exceeding usual limits, surpassing or extending or lying beyond the limits of ordinary experience, beyond or above the range of normal. Don't you like that? I don't know, I like that. Uh, Or merely physical human experience, surpassing the ordinary, exceptional. I just like all those words. I guess it's something that's like, yeah, yeah, that resounds with me. Well, and we want to live lives that are transcendent, that, 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 that move on. And see, in America especially, you can live an exceptional transcendent life. Did you know that? Yes, you can. It's not like that in many, many countries of the world. It is not like that. It's not like that. And so transcendent living is what the fourth cup is all about, helping others. And we want to talk about that. You know, in 2010, um, the, the U.S. Uh, was researching the poverty line of an individual, and they came up with $10,830. And they considered, you, you know, you're, you're impoverished if that's all you make in America, $10,830. And there are some people that, that, that just live off on that. Some of you think, that's all I live off on, you know, uh, $10,000. But, but compared to that amount, now watch this, just globally, you're in the top 14% of the world. Did you get that? With only make intent that, well, we're not over there. We're here, Pastor Mike. I I get that. But if you got to just think about it, from income distribution, compared to the rest of the world globally, Americans are all in the 1%. We're all in the 1%. So here's the thing. When I stand before God, We're in the 1%, and, you know, by population, you got India that's over a billion, you got China that's over a billion, you you, you know, you have a majority of the world population in poverty. When I stand before the Lord, I I get this sense that the Lord's gonna say, whoa, 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 one of the angels is gonna, like, this person grew up in America, Lord, and and they were part of the 1%, and then I had to stand before the Lord and go, okay, what would we do for the kingdom of God? Uh, I lived all on myself. I saved up all this money. I built bigger barns and all, did all these things. That What did you do for the kingdom? What you, c- come on. That's a heavy, Pastor Mike. You better believe it's a heavy. Every single one of us has to stand before the Lord and give an account for our life. We're in the 1%. You're not in India. You're not in Sri Lanka. You're not, you, come on now. And so, so there's a, I've sensed, there's a weight on my soul of, I feel like an obligation. That I'm, a, as Paul said, I'm a debtor. Maybe my thinking's goofed up, but I choose to live that the rest of my life, and I live that way. I'm a debtor. I owe. Why? He saved my soul, and, and, and he deserves my life. He deserves it, and he, he can call on me, and I'll preach. I'll go. I'll teach. I'll serve. I'll hold a sign up there out in the cold. I'll do whatever I got to do. Why? Because I'm a debtor. I owe. Nobody owes me nothing. Come on now. I know it's hitting up some, you know, because we are an entitled nation. You know, everybody owes, you know, we got to get our check. You know, we didn't get our check this month. Or, Anyhow, moving right along. Uh, I owe, my heart is, we got to give. We got to serve. We got to love others. We got to reach our community. Can I get an amen? amen? In the kingdom of God. And so here's the stark reality. This thing just is it's amazing. Based on what I just shared with you, and, and living in America, part of the 1%, With all this affluence and ability and opportunity, really, there is, in America, only 2% of people in America, the land of freedom and opportunity, live at this level of transcendent. And we'll talk more about that next week as we kind of wrap this up. But let me just give you some practical things here to help. And I have a challenge before we conclude here. And so why is that? American psychologist Abraham Maslow, he said this quote, he said, if you plan on being anything less than you are capable of being, you will probably be unhappy all the days of your life. I meet so many kids, and they say this, I'm just bored. I'm just bored. I'm unhappy. My life's unhappy. Hmm, I wonder why. We're going to delve into some of that. Abraham Maslow, he penned uh, this theory, the hierarchy of needs, the hierarchy of needs. It's a theory of human motivation. It's based on five levels of human needs: uh, uh, physiological, safety, love, esteem, and self-actualization. And so, just a bit, a little bit of a background. Some of you will not be able to see that, but we'll touch on these very briefly. The first four, and we'll finish, Lord willing, next week. Uh, he believed uh, that people are motivated by their pursuits of solutions to these needs. So beginning with the basic physical needs and moving upward to the other stages as each successive level is met or that need is met. So let me just say this. As the need is met, you need to move forward. That's not what's happening with a lot of people in America. They, They get at one need and go, I'm gonna focus on this need. I'm gonna camp out here, and they forget about others. This is why I think this guy was onto something and he knew the process of growth that God has for each and every one of us. Preach, Pastor Mike, I believe I will. Um, So as we achieve, watch this, and become secure at each level of need, we become aware of the next level of need and we take action to attain it. Oh, we should, we should, because God has been good. So I believe, once again, he was right. And his theory, actually, I believe, uh, reveals how God designed us to be. He believed that we seek fulfillment from our most basic needs to everything we are capable of becoming, not only to survive, but also to give our lives meaning by caring and reaching out to others. Uh, Maslow's original, I'm just a little background here, article focused on five needs that as others have studied and applied his theory, the list has expanded to actually eight. He has eight, including needs that reflect our highest aspirations for personal fulfillment. And we're gonna get to, Lord willing, that's the fourth cup. That's the fourth cup, what God has for each and every one of us, that highest level, living at that transcendent life that God has called each and every one of us. So here's the challenge this morning. <clears throat> As I briefly review these needs, I want you to think about how much of your, watch this, your time, your energy, and your personal resources you currently spend and pursuing those needs that you already have met. How many me with me this morning. <laughs> are you ready? <laughs> so these first four needs are called deficiency needs. They are things you need in order to live and avoid negative consequences. These needs, they're ongoing, and, uh, uh, and they must be continually satisfied, all right? Uh, you have to continually have these. God knows that. How I many know oh, God knows all this? He knows everything that we need. Didn't he not say that in the word that we should ask of him, that he would give us daily bread, right? And so, so you experience, if you don't, you'll get into deprivation and, or of deficiency. And so very quickly, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the first basic one is physical. Somebody shall physical. Uh, it's just uh, biological or, or, or uh, uh, physical needs, such as how many know you need air? <laughs> we have that, and it's free. God provides that. Amen. Shelter. Uh, we need water. A lot of people can't even get water today. Clean, filtered water. Can't even get it. We're part of wells in, in northern Sri Lanka, and we've had people, there's the flag over there with the lion on it, and Sri Lanka being up north in Jaffna, they don't, they don't even have, you know, they just have like a, a hole in the ground, a concrete, and they pull water out with a bucket. Still today. That's Today. It's not 30 years ago or 50. Today still, we've been at these villages. And we were at one village. They were now just bringing in electricity. And there's 5,000 people in that village. You don't have electricity today. So uh, shelter, warmth, sleep. Studies show that 85% of people in the United States have these basic needs met. 85%. Wow. You know, I started uh, studying this year about North Korea. It's been on my heart. And I really feel that the, 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 the clock is ticking for North Korea for that, that regime to come crashing down. I really believe that. People are in, in, in these concentration camps there and uh, uh, prisoners and uh, that whole country, I think, is going to collapse. And someday we'll have a North Korean flag up here preaching the gospel in it. Oh, you say, oh, he's crazy. You know what? Said that about Russia and Ukraine. And we've been there 13 times over 12, you know, in 12 years preaching the gospel in Russia and Ukraine that was a communist country. You couldn't go in there and preach the gospel. We've helped establish churches, Bible schools, and all that. I believe North Korea is going to collapse, and God's going to come in there, and those people are going to hear the gospel. Somebody say amen, but I've been reading about it, so I'm just doing my due diligence, and I'm reading a book, "The uh, Aquariums of Pyongyang and North Korea. Uh, this, this is not so, these physical needs. Many of them, they don't, they, they don't have that, the people. In the book, the author of Kang Cho Han, he spent 10 years in the Yodo concentration camp. Um, It's camp number 15. And at times, he says, and he writes, he was forced to watch people uh, being executed as a little boy. So he got there, I think he was five or six years old, and he spent 10 years in this camp. And what happened was, because people, they were starving them, to death in these concentration camps. Some of them, they believe there are 200,000 people in all the camps, political prisoners, Christians, those who are against the, you know, the regime, saying one thing, there's snitches everywhere, and you wind up in one of these camps. This was one of the, the worst camps. It said, he said, a little boy, he said, I could never get out of the mind, his mind. He, he witnessed 15 hangings, stonings, beatings. It was just, a, they, they're like animals. They treat people like animals. But here's the thing he said that just spoke to him. He just could never get out of his mind. While this is going on, and they were forced to go stand before if someone tried to escape or whatever, take this person's life, hang them or kill them or shoot them. He said people would be scurrying around looking for food. Someone's being killed right here. And they just scurry around looking for food. And he said, and all this has taken place. And he said this about extreme hunger, talking about basic needs. He said, extreme hunger alters one's reason. Hunger squashes man's will to help his fellow man. How many know God knows about this? So if you're starving, you have no food, you're not gonna be like, hey, can you help with so-and-so? I gotta take care of me. See, God knows this, all right? And he has a process for each and every one of us. That's why uh, God wants us to grow in our faith. But also, there's some natural things he recognizes we need. That's why he says, pray for your daily bread. Pray for provision. Pray for that. Amen? And uh, he said this, even parents would steal from their own children. Now, in America, 85% have this covered. So more than a majority of those, they, could, they, they have physical needs met and maybe it's not the greatest, but they have heat and, and, and they have uh, the, that basic need. The second one is safety needs. We need protection. We need protection uh, from the elements. How many know, especially in Minnesota, we need protection from the elements? Try to go a winter without heat, come on. <clears throat> uh, uh, but we need law, we need uh, order, we need security, we need law enforcement not defunding them. We need them to be funded. We need good cops, men and women out there defending. Come on. Uh, stability. Limits. And it's why we lock our doors. We learn self-defense and people carry weapons and, and stay with what's, uh, 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 what's familiar. Uh, because even, when it's even, even if it's not good for us, people will stay in a bad relationship or a bad job just for safety reasons. They will. They will. You know, uh, when the children of Israel in the wilderness and uh, they would go through a little bit of difficulty. So now they're out and they're free and they came out with singing and dancing and they had all the gold to the Egyptians and they're in the wilderness. Now they have difficulty. They don't have their daily meat. So they're frustrated. They don't have, you know, we're in the wilderness here and God's shadow was there, his, his fire to keep them warm at night and his cloud by day. I mean, he watched over them. He gave them water out of the rock. And, and so they had provision, but they may not have had things like they had when back in Egypt. You know what they said to Moses? We want to go back. We want to go back to, what? You're 400 years, you're under bondage. You want to go back as a slave? We would, watch this, we would rather be a slave and not have freedom, but have security. And that's what's happening in America. They're pushing that you won't really cling on to freedom, just safety. So we're gonna take care of you. Come on, church. No, God's called us to be a free country so we can worship him Amen. Yeah. Amen for freedom. Listen, I love America. I don't love America more than I love God. Come on. But you know what? I love this country. And God has called us to be a free people. That's from God. Freedom. The devil is bondage. The devil is control. The devil is subjugation. The devil is oppression. God is freedom. Thought I'd throw that out there here this morning. So, so safety needs. And here's the thing. Research indicates that about 75% of people living in America have these needs met. Safety, for the most part. We're seeing areas in certain communities where it's not so that way. Number three, love needs. Everyone longs to be loved and belong, and we need family, we need affection and healthy relationships and... But here's, this is why social media is so popular today. Listen, it's not going away. So me just speaking about it here this morning is not gonna stop anything. But I want to maybe challenge us all to limit our involvement. I don't know what that means for you. If you're on it nine hours a day, maybe it's only to be on it 30 minutes a day. I don't know, all right? Some of you for it's 24 hours a day, maybe we need to learn some steps in cutting back. Can I get an amen? Amen. I don't know how well that went over. But you know what? Here's the thing. We all want to be connected to others in a meaningful way, but social media is a facade. I'm just going to tell you that right. It's a facade. I hear people constantly, oh, I got off all social media. Good for you. So how are we going to communicate? Well, like we normally do before. Hey, hi, how are you? God bless you. You know, let's go out for coffee. You're kidding, really? Really? You can still do that? Yes, you can. It's superficial. It's artificial. It's a replacement for the real thing. TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat. Young people are taking their life because they have lost followers or they didn't get so many little likes and hearts and thumbs for some stupid dance that they do. Come on now. Amen? It's... (laughs) love needs. 50% of people say they have these needs met. All right. Well, so you know, you got a lot of people that are hurting out there. What that tells me is there's a huge harvest in America. There is a massive harvest in America that are people looking for relationships that are authentic, that are real. Number four, I'm going to close with this one. Esteem needs. These include self-esteem, achievement, recognition, the desire to be appreciated and valued, and once again, this goes back to the social media and the counterfeit. And, uh, you know, listen, I've, and I think, oh, he's just blasting social media. Listen, we still need to, we're on social media right now. I mean, we need to reach people, and it's something that's not going away. And there's some people that you can only reach that are on social media. And so we've learned to say, you know what, we're not not doing that. We're actually focusing a lot on that to reach people for Christ. Amen? But it's not a substitute for the local church. It's not a substitute for coming together, the presence of God, all right? God is the one that started the local church, not man. So, so this esteem usually comes down to what we think about ourselves and what others think about us and what we think others think about us. And this is so detrimental, once again, to, to this, this younger generation. It's so sad. It's so sad, um, Uh, you know, I just wanna encourage you to practice self-control by limiting your use. Some families are already doing that and they get that, but it'll possess you it'll possess you 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 won't be able to sleep you won't be you'll be constantly thinking my phone, my phone, my phone, some of you are on it right now, moving right along <clears throat> so our so our appearance, our clothes, our house, our car, truck, boat job all all of all of those things our steam needs and how many you know we get our steam from the Lord amen. so we say amen to that, but a lot of people don't believe that they don't believe that we get our we need to get our esteem, but you know what God, watch this. We say we get it from the Lord. Great, that's that's wonderful, Pastor Mike. Yes, we believe that. But really, God working through people when they say to you, "You know what? You have value. I see God in you. I see the hand of the Lord." So that that's huge. God working through people. To help with self-esteem. That's how it's happened. They're not going to hear a voice from heaven, per se, like, whoa, you're so valuable." You can during worship. You can and through praise and reading the Word. And I do. You get the approval of the Lord, the presence of God. But God works through His people to minister to people. Hence the local church. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> so roughly surveyed, 40% indicate these needs are met adequately. So 40%. Wow. So next week, Lord willing, we're going to talk about these other four. Uh, They are higher order needs, growth needs, you could say, things that contribute to our growth and fulfillment. And these needs are more abstract um, and long-term, but they represent what brings true fulfillment and what makes us happy. So you don't want to miss that next week. You don't want to miss that as we bring this to a conclusion. And all of the, all of the needs except uh, self-actualization were added to the list. I said that earlier after uh, Maslow's original grouping. Stand with me, if you would, please, as we conclude. I said a lot, thrown a lot at you, but I want to just bring out this, this here. Ultimately, the fourth cup, the fourth cup, is about watching doing something beyond ourselves that's taking our eyes off of me myself and i now if you don't have a house or you don't have a car how I many you know you know there's people that walk but that's pretty challenging here in minnesota when it's 30 below <clears throat> unless you love the winter <clears throat> <laughs> I almost said Jack Coddington at that time, but it didn't need to. Jack just volunteered his amen. <laughs> Jack, when it's thirty below, he's gonna be holding a sign out there welcoming people. Yes, he said he'd do it too. <laughs> we love you, brother. But the fourth cup is about uh, our being beyond ourselves, it's about living life beyond limits. That's transcendent. So here's the challenge: How much of your life and time? In my life and time, am I still devoting to these lesser needs that are already met? Got a nice house. I'll just make it more nicer. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But as the focus of our life on things, stuff, well, it's a good boat, but let's get a better one. Nothing against boats. Jesus was a fisherman. I mean, you, you hear what I'm saying just hear my heart there's nothing wrong with having the toys because the toys can help minister to God's house <laughs> you know that so whatever it is you, hey I have this and you can so, so I'm not. please hear me I'm not God is not against things and stuff but if you took the average U.S. family and we unloaded everything out of your garage and your house and put it on your front lawn and then I went to Sri Lanka and did that to a family their stuff would probably fill up right here and you meet those people, and they have the basic needs things, but some of them are the most happiest people. And they're there, and they'll give their shirt off the back for you. Now, I'm not saying Americans are selfish. I'm not saying that. But I just think there's an alignment that needs to happen, that God is challenging all of us. And if this doesn't pertain to you, just so say, hey, I'm free for that. It's no, amen, Pastor Mike. But some of you, there's a conviction here today. It's like, okay, it always on your mindset. What else more? Maybe the new this, the new that, oh. or what can we do for God this week? Who could I minister to? Who could I take to lunch? Who could I love on? Who could I pray for? Who could I? others, others. Shh, you know what? That's only possible because we're serving an extraordinary God. Amen? And so I was trying to notice this as we conclude with this here. Exodus 6-7, uh, how God worded His final promise, His fourth cup. We'll continue, Lord willing, next week. He said, I will claim you as my own people. Watch this, this quote. God never promised to make you a fulfilled person in isolation. God promised to make you part of His family, His own people, in a church setting. I'm looking for happiness. I'm looking for, you know, satisfaction in my life. And you just isolated and you're cut off your own, doing your own thing. He never promised to make you fulfill. But when you jump into His purpose and plan for your life, that's what we're most fulfilled. That's what the fourth cup is about. It's others. It's others. Why is the pastor hammering this? Because this is the season we're in. People are hunkering down. People are fearful. People are just thinking it's all over. It's all over. The asteroid's coming in 2029. I think that's the new thing, right? April or whatever, hitting out somewhere near San Diego. And I got to get my daughter out of there, you know, Marine Corps, before that asteroid hits, you know. I've heard this stuff my whole life. Now, listen, it isn't that it's not going to get dark out there and there'd be scary, scary things. But in the house of God, it's going to get brighter. I said, it's going to get brighter and your kids can grow up safe in the house of God. Your kids can grow up and hear the word of the Lord and be strong and say, no, that's what we're about harvest here, reaching your kids in this day. When I'm long and gone, my wife and I move to heaven. Maybe you play some of these videos, some of you younger kids. Like, yeah, I think I remember that guy. He was this crazy Italian. But Lord Terry's 100 years from now, you want this church moving forward. The things of God. When you're in heaven, you want your kids and your grandkids praising the Lord. And you're in heaven going, hallelujah, glory to God. They're serving the Lord. Hallelujah. True fulfillment never comes alone. It can only be attained within a group of people. That's God's church. Every head bowed. I want to challenge us all this morning to drink of the fourth cup. That word transcendence. Come join what God is doing here at Harvest. Come be a part of what the Lord is doing. Are there other good churches? Yes, there are. Wonderful churches, wonderful pastors. Even in this community, I know most all of them. They're doing their part, whatever that is that God's called them to do. But you know what? God is adding, He is adding to the house of God. Just as a lot of of private schools and charter schools have been overwhelmed with students in this last few months, starting this year, from an exodus from the public schools. Of course, there's many believers there, and they're doing their part, and nothing negative about them. But you know what? The same thing is happening to Christians that are being awakened, and people that don't even know the Lord are being awakened, and God is bringing them into the house of God. So here's the challenge. I want you to know that you can come as you are with all your mess, all your goofiness, all your brokenness, but don't stay there. I said, don't stay there. The first cup when we started this series is the cup of salvation. It's God's promise to every person that's willingly saying, you know what? I will drink of that cup. What does that mean, Pastor Mike? That means the Bible says that you can come into right relationship with God. With every head bowed here this morning, you say, Pastor, I'm not right with God. I mean, God forbid, if I die tonight, I don't know if I'd go to heaven. You can know. What? Yes, you can know. Now is the time. Today is the day to drink of this cup, this cup of salvation. Well, what what do I have to do? You simply confess Christ. You repent of your sin. You trade one master, Satan, the devil, your flesh, to a new master, Jesus Christ. And he says he will come into your spirit, man, and woman. He will reside within your life. And the Bible says you will become born again. That's what that means. Saved. Call it whatever you like. You become transformed. You become a new creation in Christ Jesus. And God takes your spirit, man, or woman that was on the way to hell. Not because God planned that. Just because we were born in that original sin. And He places His, His spirit within you. And what happens is, is you're saved. I know it's a Christianese term, but I don't know how else to articulate it. God living within you, changing your life. So the choice is this, what are you gonna do with this? Well, if you do nothing, you made a decision. But if you say, you know what, I need God in my life. Here's the challenge, take the step of faith. It's like, well, I have so many questions. That's okay, God's not afraid of your questions. Just take the step of faith. So what do I need to do? Pray a simple prayer receive Christ in your life. And when you do that in faith, God says, you become born again. You become saved. You become a child of God and you receive heaven, (laughs) eternal life. But also you need to tell somebody. You need to testify. You need to say, you know what? Today I gave my life to the Lord. Today I prayed. You need to tell somebody close to you, somebody you trust that's dear to you. You need to let them know. Say, you know what? I made the decision. I don't understand everything. But by faith, I made a decision this morning. Not by always all emotions, but by faith. There may be emotions there that's great. If not, don't worry about that. By faith. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that God has raised Jesus Christ from the dead, you are born again. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I don't want to get all into spending all that much time as we did on the first cup. But here's the thing. You can get born again right now. You say, that's me. Can we pray together corporately as I lead us in a prayer? If that's you, pray with me. Say, this, say, Jesus, forgive me. I'm a sinner. Jesus, I have broken your commandments. Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, I give you my life. Now save me. Fill me with your presence. Thank you for saving me. I confess today that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer, a simple but very costly prayer, God meant it. You may feel something right now. You may feel nothing nothing at all. By faith you prayed. Your spirit man or your spirit woman, has been born again. God is residing within you. We want to help you on your journey, uh, help you in your faith. Once again, if you've prayed that for the first time, or maybe it was, um, you were away from the Lord, you were slid back, you were, weren't following Him, but you just renewed your commitment, tell somebody. Tell somebody. Hallelujah. Amen.